Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Brad Levitt. Brad's the founder and the president of AFT Construction in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he's the host of the AFT Construction Podcast. That's AFT, as in A Finer Touch. Brad and I first connected on Clubhouse. A group of dedicated contractors asked me to speak in a couple of their rooms on that app, and I had a great time with a bunch of professionals from across the country who just want to get better at what they do. As I got to know Brad better, I realized that his mission, besides building great, beautiful projects, is helping other contractors build better businesses. His mission is a lot like the purpose behind the Entree Architect Academy. When I realized that we'd never talked about the architect-contractor relationship on Context and Clarity before, Brad was the first and the only person that I thought of. So luckily, this is a topic that he really loves. Now, I'll be honest, several of the things that Brad talked about in our conversation surprised me. 
there was at least one epiphany for me. So I hope you'll get as much out of this conversation as I did. Catherine McPhail was back to join me for the conversation with Brad Levitt and again backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to context and clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Brad Levitt from AFT Construction in Scottsdale, Arizona. What surprised you about the conversation? Anything? Hmm. Well, I guess the thing, yeah, just that he actually sees social media as a way to um, connect, which I guess seems obvious, but I thought I was being kind of clever and crafty, stalking certain contractors and then commenting on their stuff and then trying to build relationships. But it turns out everybody's doing it, I guess. So that's basically any, and the fact, what, what kind of surprised me is at the end when he was saying that the people who aren't on social media aren't as like reliable or concerned about their reputation and brand, maybe as people, okay, the people who aren't on social media, maybe they could be suspicious. They could, they could be sketchy. The people who are on social media are probably not sketchy was the message I got. Yes. And and that's, that, that was one of the things that surprised me. And, and as somebody that has spent years now consulting on marketing and, and it, you know, I had, essentially built a social media agency for a number of years. Um, it, it felt kind of bad to be surprised by that. But when he was talking about, as you said, the fact that, you know, he's talking about contractors, they're building this presence, they're building this brand on social media. And those are the people that are going to be reliable. Those are the people that, um, are are interested in building and upholding their reputation. It makes it makes total sense. It does make total sense. When I think about all the subs that I work with, the ones who I like to work with the most, I follow them on social media and they do care about their brand and they care about, you know, doing what they say they're going to do. And yeah, to look at my Instagram in a different light now. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, you flip that around, of course. Uh, for architects, but it's, you know, it's, it's a very similar conversation. And it, you know, Brad said, you can think that you don't have time for this and so on and so forth. But, um, when you, when you're putting things on social media, people, obviously people see it, that's the point, but it's like, you're, you're creating good work. And maybe this is a chicken and egg thing, but you're creating good work so that you can put it on social media. You're putting things on social media because you created good work. Um, and somebody, somebody mentioned, I think it was James Petty mentioned during our conversation with Brad that Brad is one of the most well-spoken contractors he's ever met. Um, you, I, I think you get a feel for the level of professionalism at, at AFT construction, you know, just talking, looking at Brad and talking to Brad. I mean, this is, you, you know, he's not, he's not a guy working out of his pickup truck, the old stereotype. 
Right. But then I felt like that comment kind of, I'm, did that comment reveal what architects think about contractors? Uh, James's comment about well-spoken? Mm-hmm. I think, yes, I think 100%. And I think, I think that illustrates a problem. I think it goes both ways. Um, and I think it also illustrates the need for this theme and these conversations that we've been having this week, right? We're, we're, we're always in context and clarity and, and, and on Arctic, we're always looking for a way forward and a better way, uh, and, and ways to make progress. And I think if, if that does, we're, we're making assumptions, of course, but if that comment does illustrate that particular attitude, then, um, that's one of the things that we have to change, right? It's this conversation was all about relationships and, and creating teams and all those things. And we've got to have that mutual respect. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that he said that, um, that he said that nine out of 10 clients come to him first and then he sets up the team. I yes. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I was, I know somebody had asked about that on clubhouse this morning and uh, I think that's a, I think that's something that a lot of architects wonder about. Although maybe that's maybe that's locational. It sounded to me like in some locations, people go to architects first. But I I hear uh, Mandy said it this morning. She was talking about California. We see it here in Indiana, where I am all the time. There's an awful lot of clients that go to a builder first, and you know, and Brad reflected that ninety percent, as you said. This is something that I've, um, you, you know, I've, I've wrestled with. I, I network with some good contractors now, and this goes back to the earlier point in the conversation, Jeff, that local in my area, contractors were unwilling to say, hey, Brad, let me put my arm around you and help you out as a young guy coming up in the business. Uh, there's one gentleman by the name of Rod Collum who builds out here, Collum Holmes, and he, he's been great. He's always put our arm around me, like never looked at me as a competitor because some people either have the mentality of abundance or the mentality of scarcity, right? And I've always been mentality of abundance that, look, for good people, there's always room, right? And, and, and if you can perform and if you're, you know, li- live up to your reputation, there's going to be opportunity and, and, and there's plenty of opportunity out there for those that, you know, are going to do it right. But um, the benefit of LinkedIn now and, and these social media channels and Instagram is that now you can build this network of, of builders, right? And network of community that are going to assist in that, in that communication. And, and, and going back to the design build aspect, you know, one of the benefits, I'll say one of the huge pros of being a design build, like a true design build, I have my own architect, my own designer, and I'm doing full turnkey. Well, there's no pointing fingers, right? There's no blame assessing, like, it, this isn't my fault. Like, it, we're responsible, we're responsible for budget, for value engineering, for cost. I mean, everything's in-house. The con would be is uh, not in all cases, you know, depending on the talent or size of your team, but sometimes it can limit you to, you know, uh, certain projects, depending on if it's like an ultra modern home to maybe a transitional home to maybe a Tuscan home, you know, not every design firm can handle these very complex and very different styles. Um, also that referral arm. And, and, you know, this is where my opinions change a little bit because now I see as the builder aren't being brought in. And so if we were a design build firm, yeah, I mean, we're getting the leads now. I don't need the architect to refer me, but, but I've always looked at the collaboration. I, I see a lot of value in a lot of the consultants and architects and engineers. And the reality is everyone's so busy right now that it is important to have those arms because they, I have some architects that are very good and they can do different styles, but some that specialize in ultra modern, modern, someone that specializes 
you know, in like a Santa Barbara style. And so now I can work with them, have that flexibility, their expertise, where they're doing something that's a little bit more timeless and will, you know, protect the client's investment. I also thought if, if a client goes to an architect first, he thinks the builder should be brought in before there's a floor plan. And if the client comes to him first, then he needs to have the architect on board before they start any of the process. Um, and I, I thought that was, um, uh, I, I think that was a great illustration of, of the level of teamwork, you know, where, where his mind is in terms of the level of teamwork. Yeah, definitely. And that's exactly the way I would like to work as well. Because as he was saying that he, the the builder is the one who knows about the differences in pricing that might have changed over the year or, or um, other details about actually the construction that the architect asking the builder, how would you like to build this? I mean, to me, that's the, that's the best way to go because I don't particularly care um, how he builds a stem wall. He used that as an example. So I might as well just make it the way he, he wants it. Right. If I don't, if it's the same to me. So, yeah, I think that's really, really important. And I wish that Brad had, um, his, his group of contractors, he could, he could have them be in a group that you would just know that these people are buying into that same philosophy so that it'd make it easier to try to match up with people. But I, when I belong to, um, Nari or Nari or whatever it was, those contractors, and we get together once a month and other times for different events and things. Um, architects joining groups like that, you get to know them a little bit more as people and what they value and that, and that sort of thing. And um, so that's another way that it's like an in-person networking thing, but I think that's another way to get to know contractors going to their own organizations and hanging out with them. So, and then you know, a lot of them are actually pretty well-spoken. Right. You know, and I think that's ultimately, you know, like, like we talked about a minute ago, these, these attitudes and stereotypes are, are there on both sides and they go both ways. But as you pointed out, I mean, there are plenty of well-spoken um, contractors and, and what it ultimately what's ultimately necessary is for us to have that, um, have that mutual respect and find the right, find the right team members. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what we're after. Um, without that, you know, I, I think the project is in peril. Yeah, it is. It's not fun anyway. I mean, it might get finished, but it's going to be a little bit of a rough ride. Another thing that Brad said at the beginning and I, I don't remember exactly how he put it, but he was talking about the ultimate outcome for the client. You know, over as, as we've worked in the industry, you do have a resource of team members, right? And, you know, a handful of architects and designers that I've had great success with. We have great relationships. We understand, you know, the uh, enough of the other person's business as well as how they collaborate and communicate and the detail of their design drawings and specifications. And so it, it, it's pretty easy now that with social media, you know, that client experience that we're talk, speaking about is that the client will reach out maybe to me, maybe the architect, maybe the designer. And as we get to know the client and listen to them and understand, okay, you know, style, budget, you know, time frame, you know, these things that are really important to them, it helps me align them now and say, well, I know the perfect architect, right? That's going to hit your style. I know the perfect designer that's going to hit your budget. That's sensitive to what's important to you. 
let's speak with them. And then we bring them in. And then now we're starting as it should be. You know, every project should have all these components from the very beginning, because now for that year of pre-construction, all that heavy, heavy lifting is done. And then we get into the build. And then that should be the pleasurable experience, right? I, the tagline I use is saving marriages one house at a time, right? So the only way that can happen, it's a very stressful experience, is that if the only way that can happen is if we plan correctly up front. And the only way that can happen is if we have that team together from day one. I think that's something that we really need to keep in mind. Yes, if 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 it goes bad, right, and we have a hard time, quote unquote, we have a hard time with the contractor, the relationship isn't good. It, it's, you know, it's a it's a painful process. Really, the ultimately, it's about the outcome for the client, right? I mean, we we might we're going to lose some sleep, maybe some money, some whatever. But if this project goes really bad and it's not a good outcome for the client, that's not a good outcome for us. So it's, yeah, I mean, we've got to have a, a great team that's focused on the right outcome for the client. Yeah. You know, the client experience, what's it like for the client? And that's another reason not to be airing any kind of dirty laundry between the contractor and the architect in front of the client. Because for both parties, if it doesn't go well, it's not going to be a good recommendation for them. So it's in everybody's best interest. And also just to make sure that you're like, my job is to hopefully improve the client's life in some way. And that includes through the construction process. Yes. And I I think we over, I think we overlooked that a lot. You know what I was saying about LinkedIn being um, just LinkedIn for me has been, uh, it's another social networking sort of thing, but it's been kind of like a place where I'm afraid to speak up or I'm not really sure how to act. And it, Somehow just all came into focus today when he was talking about how LinkedIn, everyone there is a professional, he said. But then everybody there is also maybe a lot of people there are on TikTok or a lot of, and they act differently. And a lot of people are on Facebook. They, they put out their professional face on LinkedIn and never anything else. So it's kind of a safer place to be. I think that's fair on a professional level. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, he, he, again, this was the, this, I, I met I met Brad a while back through Clubhouse first. We've kept in touch a lot through Instagram and um, also on, on LinkedIn as well as email. I've, I've been on on his podcast before and things like that. But so I know what he does on social media, but that's that's the thing that surprised me. It's like, oh my gosh, he's talking about. You know, he's taking this idea of building teams and relationships, et cetera, and he's talking about social media. But when when he was talking about LinkedIn, being a thought leader and all those things, and, you know, he started to, to talk about, well, you can connect with other contractors or brokers or, you know, all of these other people. And it's, he's, he's so right about that um, in, in that, again, it, it surprised me, but he was talking about building a brand and in this case the reason for for the purposes of our conversation part of the reason for building the brand is to find the right partners to find the part the right people to work with and um i think that's a big blind spot for a lot of people right i mean i guess that's the point of all of these is to get to know different people whatever for whatever reason either they have experiences that you have an experience it kind of is an eye-opening it can be an eye-opening um, experience to connect with people over social media and understand where they're coming from and and just to meet people. It's true. But I still think there should be a bumble 
I think that would be good. <laughs> well, we, we need to develop that app. We can develop it with Brad. Maybe that does make it even more interesting that a, let's call it a third party noticed um, and, and had that conversation. But I, I think his, I, I think the point that he was making th that you're talking about is, is another one of those kind of surprise points. You know, he, he's, he spends a lot of time, and I said this when we were talking to him, I mentioned this a couple of times this week, that what Brad is doing is not altogether different than the the purpose of, of Entree Architect. You know, the purpose of Entree Architect is to help architects build better businesses. Brad is helping contractors build better businesses. And so he's he's got his podcast and he's got his social media and he does – he started doing the summit and he mentioned that they had had a summit in Nashville earlier this year and they have a summit coming up in uh, Newport Beach, I think he said, later this year in the fall. And his his point behind that, as you were saying, is that it's about not only helping contractors build better businesses, but also helping people see the value. You know, this is something I thought off about because a lot of people are like, well, why do you share like, you know, I talk about pool plan scheduling. I have a YouTube video showing how we do our scheduling process. Right. And and when I when we signed up for the first summit in Nashville, I had seven builders from Arizona attend in Nashville, like fly Nashville. And seven of them are my competitors. I mean, not all of them are, but I know two of them specifically are my competitors. But this goes back to the conversation. Why are not we all playing from the same starting line? Right. Why? Why? Why is this such a secret saying? This is how you do cost plus. This is how you're transparent with the client. This is how you do your billing. This is how you do your scheduling. And, you know, this is how you do your project management. And these are systems we use. Why? Like, I, I'm confident in who I am. I know our brand and it's that mentality of abundance again, that I would rather, I would rather have be surrounded by a ton of good builders and architects and designers that understand the industry, right? Because if my competitor knows how to schedule properly, there's a lot of overlap in the subs that we use. That means my subs aren't as constrained with him. They're more available for me. So I look at the rising tide raises all ships, right? That Hey, the more I share, not only does it educate the clients, but also my peers. And that through that, hopefully as a community and as, you know, nationally as builders, we can, you know, by doing more sustainable homes, more net zero homes, well, that's going to lower the pricing and entry point for our clients. Cause it's, you know, it's more of a demand, you know, the pricing structure will be more consistent. So you know, us as builders, and I'll speak to builders specifically, that how many times are we, I don't want to say taken advantage of, but we just are essentially used by our clients because, you know, they'll, they'll push and they'll push and they'll beg and they'll ask. And if we don't really understand why or how to run a business, we just get pushed over. And how many, it's such a low barrier to entry in construction and so many companies fail. Why don't we help them now so that they're prepared properly when those storms come and that they can, you know, gauge this. So, I just I just see way more upside than I do downside. When everybody is charging what they should be charging, when everybody is performing at a level that they should be performing at, and maybe in terms of quality, uh, when everybody has all the systems in place and the professionalism and all that, it helps the entire entire industry. And to me, that was another big takeaway: is we need to double down, triple down on what we're doing here in our community and I, yeah in the in the AIA context right there there has been a consent 
decree with the Department of Justice, AIA. In the context of AIA, you can't talk about pricing, you know, what you're charging, et cetera. But we need to help each other understand the value of our services and whether you're, I don't know, way undercharging uh, for your services. Because it hurts everybody when you're doing that. Of course, yeah, but I don't. I have no idea how much other people are really um, charging for things. Well, I know you you facilitate a mastermind group. I facilitate a mastermind group and participate in another one. And uh, especially in one of them, I mean, we talk conceptually a lot about what people are charging. Um, well, just this week, someone actually ch- someone has developed a. Uh, uh, three-tiered proposal mm-hmm. and they actually showed an example that had the numbers in it you know one that they had just used so you could see exactly what um but i i think that's i, I think that's one way to do it you know we can have these conversations and e- even at, even at the conceptual level because we have we have found i mean there have been people in in the group where somebody might charge x per uh, X percent, you know, based on construction, somebody else might say, Hey, I do everything hourly. And, you know, people start to sort of, okay, well, what is, what is that? What does this actually mean? Um, in terms of, of fee, you know, as we go forward with the project and we have had times where somebody realizes that they're, what they're charging is vastly different than what someone else is charging for a similar scope. Mm-hmm. You know, which is again, it's coming all coming right back to what you were saying before, figuring out whether we're charging for our value and trying to match that up. I just like to know because there was this one time when I had a kind of high maintenance potential client. He was very anyway. So he, um, I gave him a proposal that was maybe twice as much as I would normally charge because of his of. Uh, the sensing I was getting about him being maybe difficult. And then he asked a bunch of other architects and then he called me and he said, well, can you explain to me why you are one fifth of the price of this other people for the same exact scope? Like, gee, no, can you tell me? I don't want, I already overcharged you as far as I was concerned. So maybe they also sensed his, you know, that he was going to be a a time um, investment. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. But what's your takeaway from that, though? How do you act on that information? The only way for me to truly act on that information would be for me to call that other architect who he showed it to me. He showed me their proposal and um, say, is this for real? I mean, is this really real? Because how am I supposed to judge if I'm charging like so, so, so much less than they are? It seems really hard to believe because people complain about how much I charge. So. I don't really, I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things where they didn't really want to do it. So they gave a crazy number. Well, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, that, that kind of thing happens certainly, but then I think we also have to ask is what's the common denominator? You know, there's, there's this client in the mix here and is, is this a client that we really want? No. In fact, I told him I didn't want it after that. I said, you know, I just don't think this is something I'm going to be able to work on. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's one aspect of it. But I also think, you know, when we, I, I know it's, I know it's hard for a lot of reasons. This is what I charge. This is my perception of what I should or shouldn't charge. You know, there's, there's all kinds of reasons, but I, I think when we have 
credible evidence. Now, how do we, you know, how do we judge that? Which is, you know, your example is a really, really good, good illustration of that question. But I think, you know, if, if I were to find out, hey, there's somebody doing exactly what I'm doing for the clients that I want, and they're charging twice as much as I am, I'm raising, I'm, you know, assuming that they're actually winning clients, et cetera. But, but, um, I also see that a lot is we, we see that we hear that and we still don't act on it. Um, I was listening to one of uh, Brad's podcasts this morning, actually, as I was walking and, uh, the person he was interviewing who is an architect, I forget what year they said they had started, but they started, uh, it must've been right. Maybe it's like 2005 or six or something like that. It was right before the, the recession. And so of course there's the turmoil of the, the recession and then the kind of re type of thing. And, and, um, they, they, they changed some focus. They had some realization in terms of what could be done in their market that they didn't think could be done level of design and quality and things. Um, and, you know, and so they came to grips with some things and with that, they said, um, you know, I've, I've got to raise my fee, right? If, if I'm going to raise my quality, if I'm going to raise, you know, these things that I'm the level of the things I'm doing, I've got to raise my fee. So they doubled their fee. They said, you know, of course that they, they worked with a, a lot of, a lot of builders, uh, as well, but of course that got rid of some of the people they were working with. They just fell off. They weren't going to pay that. But they said, like, I forget what it was, like maybe a year later, they doubled their their fee again. That, I think, is also a healthy process. You know, I, I'm in favor, well, I'm in favor of every, now you, you've got to, of course, you've got to match up scope and so on and so on. But every project, raise your fee, every project. Well, I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting that he as a contractor noticed that there was such a difference and felt that the person was being underpaid and should, he does value architects and he talks to his clients about valuing architects, which I think, I think is great. Right. I mean, that's the kind of person we want to work with, obviously. Yes. So. I, yeah, I think, I, I think in retrospect, um, Brad, Brad was a great guest for this conversation because he is, he is the kind of contractor that architects want to work with and vice versa. Um, you know, would, would we want it, would we have wanted that conversation to be any different? Would we have wanted a combative or, you know, a different, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. An architect who doesn't, I mean, a contractor doesn't see the value in architects. We just mess everything up and. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe that becomes a really interesting, um, really interesting conversation. Um, you know, maybe this conversation with Brad, uh, becomes reinforcement, but but I think there's I think there's so many good takeaways from what he was saying uh, of things that we can do and should do that we can look at it and say how do I how do I find more contractors like Brad follow his advice you know listen listen to what he's saying in the conversation and realize that there are plenty of people out there plenty of contractors out there like Brad. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, I think it's back to that old adage. I forget who this comes from now off the top of my head, but um, it's it's the idea of the people that you surround yourself with. 
um, you're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with is one way that I've heard it say. You surround yourself with a certain level of professionalism, you're going to attract a certain level of professionalism and you're going to have a certain level of professionalism. So I think we need to find, find the people that we want to work with. If it's, if it's Brad Levitt, fantastic. Um, or, or someone like Brad Levitt, fantastic. Because once you, once you, um, surround, once you find that person and find another person, you start surrounding yourself, you start attracting those type of people. And we don't have to have that conversation about, you know, well, this one and that one. And, you know, let's, let's start working with the people we want to work with. Right. Let's take more responsibility and control for it. Going to look up some people I want to follow. Well, and again, you yeah. know, it's, I, I'm going to come right back to my surprise at the at the depth is that I, I I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but Brad is thinking about social media not only in terms of marketing, which he's certainly doing, right? He's he's displaying the work, but 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 it's very holistic. And he's talking about and and demonstrating. I was actually on a call earlier today where I, you know it was that old show don't tell. He's demonstrating his thought leadership. He's demonstrating the quality of the work that they produce. Uh, AFT construction produces. He's got his podcast. He's got his, uh, his YouTube channel where he's talking about building a better contracting business, you know, all of those things. So there's that marketing aspect of it where a client may go, Hey, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to build a really big house or a really great commercial project. I want a really great contractor, a really professional contractor. You're going to see that come out in, in his, in his content. And also if, uh, and, and he's mentioned this as well to, to attract employees. He wants employees that want to work in a really professional environment. If, if you're not on board with being, you know, uh, being as organized and all of these things that, that you see in social, you're not coming. You're not coming to AFT, um, but also in architects and subcontractors and, and others, you know, he's, I don't, I don't think many people, including myself, expected this to be a social media heavy conversation today. Uh, but that, to me, that's a pleasant surprise. I'm, I'm glad that we had, uh, had that conversation today. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you are so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, Join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern 
inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.